and welcome to the Ethnos New Brunswick podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today. Ethnos is a new organization looking to join in the holistic, community-transforming work happening in New Brunswick and Highland Park. Part of that includes thinking about the spiritual health and vitality of our community. Each week, our gathering is meant to give our community a safe and helpful place for that. Today's episode is a special conversation called Locked in Solidarity, led by lead pastor Yukon Chu. You already know we are today talking about the issue of mass incarceration. Um, we're talking about that issue and specifically how spirituality affects mass incarceration. And the reason why we're doing this is, is, a, is a couple, there are a couple of different reasons. Number one, um, kind of like how the music uh, was suggesting already, while we believe that God is definitely everywhere, can be experienced everywhere and understood in a lot of different places, there's something unique about the person of Jesus. Uh, we sung about him just briefly, Antu mentioned him briefly. I'm going to explain a little bit more why he's so important. But wait, there's something about Jesus that is really important for our journey. And as we reflect on his teaching and what he has to say, Jesus actually talks about the issue of incarceration. It's kind of perhaps foreign to maybe how you think about issues of spirituality, issues of God, issues of Jesus, but he actually talks about it quite a bit. And so we'll explore that in just a moment. Second of all, we want to talk about mass incarceration today uh, because we all live in proximity to this issue of incarceration. What do I mean by that? Some of you already know that Middlesex County, the county seat, is right here in New Brunswick. Uh, the courthouses are here. You know that the uh, jails and prisons are just across the border in North Brunswick. Uh, you know, just by living around here, that halfway houses are here. Um, drug rehab programs are here. The issue of incarceration affects us, where we live. But it also affects us personally, doesn't it? All of us, I think, are relationally connected to at least one person who, whose personal life, whose family, is dealing with incarceration. Again, you may not know that. You may not realize that. You'll, you'll end up knowing that today because you'll know at least one person. Uh, two people, they're going to share their stories. And so this is something that... Um, for about a year now, uh, different faith communities around the, around the country have been preparing for this Sunday to set aside for a moment where we can think about this very important issue to, to engage as God would invite us to engage because it is something near and dear to his heart. And so without further ado, let me just, do, let me just explain what's going to happen today. Today, really, we're going to do three basic things with the remainder of our time here. We're going to spend a moment getting some information about Jesus, his vision of life, and how he has something to say about the issue of incarceration. Number two, we're going to take some time to humanize this issue for us, meaning for some of us, not all of us, but some of us in this room, this is still kind of this like abstract thought or abstract issue in our society. Uh, we're going to have two panelists uh, come up and I'm going to invite them to share some of their stories of how they have had to be on a journey with God as it relates to this issue. And then last but not least, we want to give you a chance to personally 
think about how you might engage in this issue. Uh, we actually have two organizations here represented that have really easy opportunities for us to take a step to engaging, as Jesus would, on this issue of mass incarceration. All right, does that make sense? So, without further ado, uh, let me just direct your attention to the information part. And uh, you have a half sheet of paper here on your tables. Let me just point out a couple things here uh, to get started. First of all, as it relates to Jesus and the issue of incarceration, Jesus and how he thinks and feels about those who are imprisoned. Uh, there are actually a number of teachings he gives and a number of teachings his followers end up giving that uh, we could have cited, but I've cited two, cited three, printed out two, but cited three that have, for me have affected me and encouraged me. So the first one is found in Hebrews 13, 1, 2, 3. This was a letter written to Jewish followers of Jesus at that time. And it says this, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as you yourself are suffering. Now, some of you may know some of the historical background of this passage. It was written some 2,000 years ago, and indeed it was written to Jesus followers who themselves were being imprisoned for their faith. Sometimes some people read this and think, well, if that was the context, then is this really talking about issues of mass incarceration in our country today? Or is this more about those people in faraway far lands who are imprisoned because of faith in Jesus? It's a worthwhile question, and I think there's some merit to maybe thinking about this passage this way. But I think as we continue to read the next excerpt, I would argue that this actually challenges us to not just think about people in prison for their faith, but really every prisoner in our system, justly or unjustly imprisoned. Notice how the next teaching from Jesus directly says this, and read with me if you will. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. This is Jesus talking. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. As we read this teaching of Jesus, I think a case could be easily made that Jesus is actually concerned for those in prison, and He wants freedom. Now, again, reading in context, we would quickly note that Jesus is thinking about holistic freedom. He's not just talking about physical freedom, but He's talking about freedom from the things that keep our soul weighed down, freedom from the things that destroy our relationships, freedom, yes, from an oppressive system through government. This is a holistic freedom for sure, but it doesn't negate his concern, his desire to see freedom happen for those in prison, both unjustly in prison 
and justly imprisoned. His vision, of course, is to transform humanity from the inside out. It's to change people to what people like to say today, have restorative justice in our world. I love actually the story we didn't get to print out, but you can look it up when you go home from the biography of Mark, Mark 5, 1 through 20. And it's Jesus' encounter with a man who is literally chained up, sectioned off in the graveyard of the time period where they kept the worst of these that society couldn't handle. And he goes there and he frees this man. Yes, he's mentally insane. Yes, he's demonically possessed. He's on the wrong track in life. Did he do something wrong? Who knows? Probably. But Jesus is there to free him, to restore him back into society. We have a Jesus who's concerned about those in prison, who's come to rescue those in prison holistically. Now, there are a lot of implications to this as you begin to think through this, and we won't be able to go through all the details and ideas and facts with this reality, but you can read through the rest of the handout. We have a couple of, you know, print out, uh, uh, quotes from well-known people who have thought about this issue. We actually have begun to post some resources on our Facebook page to give you a bigger picture of the problems of incarceration today and why it is something, again, we need to think about. Uh, we would add in, and you'll see this on our website, we would add in that the issues of incarceration, at least in this country, have been tainted by racism. And so there's a disproportionate amount of black and brown people in our prison system, and not, that's not because they're quote-unquote bad people. It's because, and it's been proven now, pretty factually, that the government in the 60s and 70s and 80s systematically targeted people. And so we need to be concerned, not just because of the individuals there, but because of an injustice that has been done. We need to get involved. We need to think through this. Now, of course, this is all nice, you know, flowery ideas. Let's try to humanize this a little bit. Let's try to hear some real stories of people whose families have been affected by both just and unjust imprisonment. I want to invite up uh, two people right now. One you know who's a leader here at Ethnos. Another is a guest from a partner ministry, uh, Curtis Johnson and Latia. Can you all come up? Can we give them a hand? Um, for the uh, last uh, few weeks now, I've been, had an opportunity to just process with them about some of uh, their story and how God has been at work uh, in their lives in this, this, this reality that they face and their families face. Um, I don't want to get their stories wrong. I want to give them a voice. So, um, Latia, Curtis, why don't you take a brief moment and share with us a little bit about yourself and why this issue matters to you and your family. What can you kind of give us the background, all right? Ladies first. Yeah. yeah? Sure. Um, well, hello. Uh, my name is Latia Fox, and um, I'm, a, I'm no longer a resident of New Brunswick, but I was born here. And um, what else? What else about myself? 
I don't know. <laughs> Doesn't matter. But I went to seminary here, um, born and raised here, went to school in Virginia, um, entered into a relationship with Christ um, while I was in college, and um, been going strong ever since. Not necessarily strong, but I've <laughs> been going ever since. Um, mass incarceration is important to me because it was a norm growing up for me. Um, my father um, was placed in jail. My brothers have been in jail. One of my, yeah, brothers have been, two of my brothers have been placed in jail. I have um, eight siblings, and um, my mom was a single mom, and uh, so, yeah, so that's part of it. So two of my brothers um, were placed in jail, and um, just a load of people. I mean, it just was the norm. Um, someone goes away, and they do time, whether, it wasn't a matter of what, whether it was just or injustice. It was just what it was. <laughs> so um, I knew it would be a time that my father would be away, and there would be a time that he would be there with me. And the times that he was there with me, it was good, and it was great. Um, and then the times that he wasn't, I just knew that that was just a part of my life. And so it wasn't until I got older and began to understand what racism is and begin to understand what systematic racism is that I begin to understand that not everyone in jail deserves to be there. Um, but it's more so what someone perceives about the person that they place there. Um, and so, yeah, so that's pretty much, um, in a nutshell, how I'm involved. And, oh, and not only that, my brother um, actually is now a correction officer in the prison. So now I get to see the other side of it. And um, so, yeah, so I have people who have been in jail, more people who have been in jail. And now my brother, he serves as an officer um, for the system. Thank you. Mm -hmm. yeah, so my name is Curtis Johnson. Um, I grew up uh, grew up in in Minnesota, actually, uh, same as as Antu. Uh, so awesome to see Midwest roots. Um, I guess uh, yeah, moved out moved out to New Jersey to be part of the Ethnos New Brunswick church plant here about a year and a half ago, um, and uh, before that lived in California with uh, the San Diego Ethnos, uh, where. Um, incarceration just really uh, impacts me in my life is uh, when I was 15, my brother was uh, was arrested for a drug-related murder and uh, with a number of other people. And uh, he's been arrested, he's been in prison for almost 20 years now, uh, serving um, a life sentence. So uh, it's, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's been a long process and just, there's, it's, it's always a long drive to visit him. And so, you know, when you're visiting him and it's, uh, you got those two hours of the road uh, in front of you leaving the prison, it's, uh, there's not much to do but just think about, about what's, what's going on in the whole situation. So uh, lots, of, lots of thoughts have happened in the last 20 years. Yeah, yeah. Now, for both of you, um, both of you are people of faith. You believe in God. You've come to encounter Jesus You've had a journey, definitely, with both Jesus and your family who, um, who are in prison. Um, what have you learned about Jesus and justice and kind of how, how he interacts with all of this stuff that's happened to you and your family? Yeah. Um, I would say uh, I've learned forgiveness. And what I learned about forgiveness is it's seeing a person outside of their actions, um, even within myself. So it started with me being able to see myself outside of the things that I have done wrong. 
Um, and when you're able to do that, then you're able to see the person for truly who they are. Um, a lot of times I think we attach um, the person, this is, this is my point of judgment, we attach the action to the person. Mm-hmm. And we say, this is who you are. You are a liar. You are a deceiver. You are a murderer. And God, he separates us from our actions. Because um, we've all lied, but we're not liars. We've all done something. We've all hurt people, but we're not that thing that people like to judge us and, and box us in, as the lady was saying earlier. So when I was able to see myself out, well, by default, I had to see my father outside of that because I knew him. I knew how loving he was. I knew I was daddy's girl. I knew that he you know, took me out for ice cream. He spent time with me, and he tried to provide when he was home. Well, he did provide when he was home, so I knew that part of my father. So then when I seen um, the image that the newspaper tried to paint him as, it was, it was like, this is, this is not true. This mm. is not true. Oh, he's this. He's such a horrible person. Well, people do horrible things, or people do bad things, but it doesn't make them a horrible person. And I think as a society, when we aren't able to separate the two, then we judge a person twice. Get, they get judged in the system. They get judged before a judge, and then they get judged by their own community. And so if that's the case, then where is the, the room for redemption? Where is the room for forgiveness? And um, so I, I, I think... For me, God, he was able to show me that people aren't what they do. Mm. You know, they're, they're, that's, that's where the room is for God to come into our hearts and to change us as individuals. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's how I apply that to everyone. And it just, it's just isn't me. So I try to use um, the perception of how God sees. And that's the important. How, how does God see us? How does God see me? How does God see you? And how does God see these individuals who are imprisoned, who have been um, who have been said to be guilty, mm. or who have been judged or labeled as a particular thing? Um, how do we get to see them out apart from that? And that literally is um, only the grace of God. Only the grace of God. Mm. Yeah. Uh, on a very similar vein, I think uh, one of the things that has struck me most is uh, there. I, I feel there's such a, a tendency for us to to label the people or to to stereotype the people that are in in the prisons and in the prison system. Um, I mean, even even the name internally for for people incarcerated, uh, you know, in the internal system, they call them offenders, you know, and um, and I mean, the, the justice issues of that being called offenders when many of them are innocent or systematically yeah. placed there, uh, there are deep issues there. But even moving beyond that, uh, I think what, what really just moves me most is, uh, you know, when, when God says in the Bible, and specifically Romans 3, that we have all sinned, you know, we all fall short of the glory of God and, and, and just the hypocrisy that we would consider ourselves potentially better, that we would consider ourselves in a position to, to take away rights, to take away freedoms, to, to profit off of individuals in these systems. Uh, it's, it's, it, it, I have no word for it. I, I can't, I can't imagine just the depravity that that comes from, that that, that that mindset, that 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 spirit comes from. And, 
you know, it, uh, I think it, it moves me to compassion. You know, if we, if we all, you know, have, are in the similar situation, if we're all in that place, um, and if God loves us all, I mean, that's so if you, you know, follow that verse in Romans 3, you know, you'll see that, that God, that, that God had a plan to, to redeem everyone. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't just me, you, whatever. Um, and so if God still loves these people, um, man, what, what, like, what can we do? What can we do to, to you know, help people heal, help empower people, help, um, you know, help people, um, I mean, sometimes just survive that situation, but really, um, I'd love to see them healed, changed, redeemed from that, from that situation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What, um, I mean, what, what have you done personally? Maybe you could share a few stories, just like how have, what have you done to, to love on your family members there? And, and how might that translate to what we can do too as a community? Like how, what, how do we move forward with this, with this challenge of, of incarceration? Um, well, this is just my opinion, but yeah. I, I think we have to transform our minds in the way we, um, we look at them. Sure. And, and I say that because personally, when my father um, was put away, and my father is now serving 25 years, um, I judged him internally. And I didn't want to see him. And actually, I didn't see him for 10 years. Um, I went to college, and he would write me faithfully. And I just Nope, I'm not. I'm just not. And, you know, and it's because in my mind, it's like I almost accepted um, the picture painted about him and didn't remember how much, regardless of what he did, how much I loved him and how much he loved me. And um, even still as an adult, <laughs> um, I love my father. And when I see him, it's still so hard to walk away. And it's still and I and I have to take that and humanize it and realize that he's made some decision and he, some bad decisions and he owns up to them, um, but he's still, he, there is still good there. You know, he's not an evil person. And um, I see, I, so I think that we have to change our perception um, first about what injustice is mm. because injustice is not always intentional it can very be subjective um, in the way we perceive. So we judge people based on how we perceive them. So in that light, when I decided not to go see him and be with him, it's because I had judged him based on how I perceived him, based on what was fed to me. Um, so if we, as a church, as um, examples of Christ, are able to transform our mind to know that we have to change our perception mm. on people. And it's not even just them in prison because they're physically there, but there are many people in prison walking around free, right? There are many people that we walk past every day who are trapped um, in the judgment of themselves, right? And so for us to change our perception, um, to love on them, to visit them, you know, if, if Paul, in, in a time when Paul was in prison, Paul was in prison because they claimed that he did something wrong right? He did something wrong. So if the people outside of the church decided not to go visit Paul because of what the judge said, then Paul would have been left alone. But he was one of God's greatest 
disciples. He was one of the greatest men who kind of like, he did a lot, right, for yeah. God. But if we had taken, if, if back in the day, if they had taken um, what the judge said, who mm. judged him and put in prison, no one would ever have gone to visit him. If we yeah. take what society says about people, then we will see ourselves as apart from them and not a part of them. And so it's very important for us to realize that we're a part of this issue. Yeah. We're, we're so much a part of it to the fact that we have to take responsibility as a church. And if no other organization is responsible for this, it's the church hmm. because we're an example. God has called us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We know what it calls. We know um, what's necessary for that transformation to take place. And so it's our responsibility as a church to be an example to the world who is full of judgment, to say, this is, this is how you restore. This is how you change. It's, it's ours, and we don't want to take it because sometimes we want to act like it's perfect in our world. But the reality is it's our responsibility. And for me, the first responsibility that I took, the first action that I took was to go visit my dad after 10 years. And he cried, and I cried, and and I go see him now more frequently. And even this year, because last year I would, it was like once a year. <laughs> then I was like, I'll be there to see you twice a year. <laughs> he's like, goodness gracious, you know. <laughs> but he's still so patient with me. And now this year, I'm saying, okay, now at least I'm going to try to see you every month, at least every other month. I'm going to come and try to see you and just spend time with him and yeah. just listen to him. And that's yeah. it. Thanks, Latia. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think just being part of someone's life that's in prison is that that is such a valuable piece, but I think it's for someone who, who whose family who personally hasn't been there, it's it's hard to it's hard to explain how difficult that is. Mm. Because um I mean it, it's it, it's how do you have a relationship when I mean, it's like, you know, it's not going anywhere, you know? It's like the, the normal metrics we're used to for, for growing relationship, they just, they, they don't apply in, in like 90% of the ways for someone that's incarcerated. Um, and so I think the presence, the presence issue has been, has been a, big, uh, a big thing for me. Uh, one of the things that I'm, I'm trying to grow on right now is... Um, Really allowing myself to um, to to get excited with things that my my brother is excited about. Um, he's uh, many people in in long term incarceration uh, go through series of appeals and you know things like that. And uh, and as he has done that for twenty years, um, I've never allowed myself to really to get excited. I've never allowed myself to get my hopes up. And, and I, I want, you know, I want him to be out. But I think part of that's just natural. I've, I've always had that, that personality of like, okay, we'll, we'll wait and see, and I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, you know? Um, but uh, I, I realized it's actually this last year, this last holiday season, that, you know, part of that is, well, part of that's just me trying to protect myself. And... Uh, you know, on a phone call, I think it was like the day after Christmas or something, on a phone call, you know, my whole family was excited about, you know, potentially a next step in one of his court proceedings. 
And, and I was just like, man, how, how can they be so excited and, and share that excitement with him? And, and I'm just kind of like, okay, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see. Um, and that, you know, I realized, that's when I realized, you know, that's, you know, it's, I'm just trying to protect myself on that. So, and I, I, I really need God's help in that. And so I think part of it is, has been just a work of prayer to, yeah. to try to en- engage with him in that excitement. Um, I think on a broader topic or a broader picture, uh, part of part of my journey in trying to love Him has just been being educated about what what this what this what what's going on in the larger prison systems, and and it is it has been pretty pretty shocking. Yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, I, I am careful not to, to show my anger at the prison system with my brother because that just would not help. You know, that, he's, he's, he's there. He knows it. Um, and if, if we're on a phone call or whatever and I'm sharing that, that's, you know, that's, that's not setting him up for a good place when he gets off that call. Yeah. But I, I do feel that, I mean, I mean, bluntly, as a person of privilege because of my race, um, I, I feel like I have to know this. Um, I, I have to under like I, I owe it to to him to to the people that he's in prison with to to everyone just to understand the different things that really put him there to put them there. Yeah. Um, I think those are probably the two biggest things. That yeah. Been... Yeah. And uh, I'll just say this because I know your stories too. You have seen your family members or, or others who have done similar things that your family members have done already out of prison. Uh, and so that, that just fuels that sense of injustice with the system. Why is it that the people who did the same thing that my family member did are out now, but mine are still in? And so we won't get into the details of that, but I, I just thought you all should know this. These two individuals have had to wrestle with um, some really, really huge questions with that. Um, let's give them a hand real quick. They're going to stay up here, but um, let's give them a hand, first of all, just for opening up. Thank you. Um, I want to I want to take a quick pause, and I want you to just turn to your neighbor really quickly and just process just for a couple minutes this basic question. I mean, what what is striking you right now about this whole conversation we're having? You know, what 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 surprised you so far? What are you finding difficult? Um, and what what is that making you feel like you need to do? Okay, just two minutes. Take a moment, process, and then we're gonna have a quick Q and A. Okay, before we wrap it up, two minutes. So I'm aware that um, our time is running short, so just bear with us just for a few moments. We will wrap things up really soon, but I'm just curious. I know just because we have them here, they're up front. Does anybody have any, yeah, what what are some of the questions you may have that you want to ask our panelists? What are some of the things, you know, this conversation is getting you just thinking about? Any questions, comments you want to make? No? Okay. Pretty heavy subject, I realize that. Yeah. Well, uh, they're going to be around. Uh, I'll ask them to actually stay up front. So if you want to ask them some questions about how they're processing through uh, their continued journey, please do so. But let me um, let me just begin to then transition us into some action steps we can take. Okay. Uh, again, I hope in this brief moment of some information, of some personal stories. I hope you're beginning to see this is 
a subject matter that we can't just hold at arm's length. We can't just dismiss and say, you know what, oh, this is something that, yeah, other people are dealing with, but thankfully I don't have anyone in my family dealing with this, so, so we're good. Right? No, if, you're, if you live here in New Brunswick, if you're part of the community of Highland Park, it's around us. If, it, if we're really going to love our neighbor well, we're going to we're gonna have to get involved. And so I want to encourage us to do two things. First of all, I want to encourage us to pray. One of the things here on our handouts, if you can flip it to the back, you'll notice that the Anglican Book of Common Prayer actually has a prayer about those in prison and about the prison system. We've reprinted it here um, just to show that this is something that actually followers of Jesus have thought about and wrestled with for centuries. We're in good company if we join in the cause. And so there's a prayer I'm going to actually pray for us. I'm going to invite us to read it out loud together as we close. But let me just say number two, another way to get engaged. Uh, we have two organizations here today represented by uh, a few very important leaders. I'm going to invite them to stand up and actually head over to their tables now. Uh, Mona Patel, who's part of Urban Revival, her team, yeah? And you guys can go over there. And then Austin and Valerie, you all can stand up. These three people represent two organizations that uh, we've actually partnered with before in the past. You just didn't know that. Um, but now we're kind of just giving them a spotlight. They have some amazing, amazing things they're doing to engage with the system and those in the system. And uh, we definitely would want you to talk to them afterwards. Next week, we'll kind of share uh, what they have invited us to do, actually. Uh, there's a backpack drive Austin and I have been talking about. We'll share a little bit more about that. Um, he has the Navigator program. Austin was here before to share about that. Mona uh, has a, a youth detention center, like group, uh, and some stuff with that. So please, please, please talk to them, okay? And then we'll continue to highlight uh, their activities. Thank you. Thank you for giving us this space to reflect on this. Thank you for taking a step today and engaging with us. Can I invite us to take a look at this prayer now? And we'll read it together, and then I'll wrap it up uh, for us after that. We'll read it together, and I'll say one more prayer after that, okay? And uh, Spanish readers, feel free to read in Spanish real loud, too, okay? Lord Jesus, for our sake, you were condemned as a criminal. Visit our jails and prisons with your pity and judgment. Remember all prisoners and bring the guilty to repentance and administration of life according to your will, and give them hope for their future. When any are held unjustly, bring them release. Forgive us and teach us to improve our justice. Remember those who work in these institutions. Keep them humane and compassionate, and save them from becoming brutal or callous. And since what we do for those in prison, O oh Lord, we do for you, constrain us to improve their lot. All this we ask for your mercy's sake. Amen. Jesus, we are thankful for this time. 
We're thankful for this moment just to process this and begin this journey of engagement with you. Thank you that when you came some 2,000 years ago, yes, you did come to free us from sin, from the evil within, from all that we hate about ourselves. You said, no, there's a new way, there's a new life. I can forgive you. I can give you my power. But thank you that you didn't just stop there. It wasn't a spiritual renewal only you were looking for. You were looking for a truly holistic transformation, holistic change. Guide us as we continue to understand what that looks like here today. Lead us into actions that matter, actions that bring change. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for today's conversation. For more information about Ethnos New Brunswick, visit us at ethnosnb.com.